everybody and welcome to the Gig of Growing Up podcast. I'm your host, Pascal Fester, and today I'm joined by another Ben, um, Ben Benici. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hey everyone, my name is Ben. Thank you so much to Pascal, aka one of my bestest friends, for having me on the podcast. How are you? I'm really good. I just released um, the first episode of The Gig of Growing Up and at the moment I'm feeling I'm feeling excited about this new project but at the same time it is stressful trying to come up with new ideas and new guests to come on um, but I'm, I'm good. So you're the one that's moved away. You've literally just moved at 19 years old to America, New York. What's that been like? Yeah, so I'm currently in New York. Um, I'm at NYU. Uh, It's been very challenging, very overwhelming. Someone described the city to me the other day as uh, stunningly heartbreaking. And I think that is a really great way to sum up how the city works because it is so beautiful and there are so many blissful moments. Um, And there are so many moments where you have that feeling of I can't believe this is my life and I can't believe I'm looking out at this amazing scenery. But at the end of the day, it is very overwhelming. It is a very busy city to be in. There is around 9 million people living here um, in comparison to the entire state of Victoria in Australia, which only has 6 million people. Mm. So it's definitely – I feel like if Melbourne is a city with training wheels – when you get to New York, you take the training wheels off, if that makes sense, because you're thrown out of your comfort zone. I mean, I were, unfortunately, I wasn't able to go with mum and dad. Um, I had to go by myself, but that's okay. We got through the situation. There have been many days where I felt a lot of homesickness, but I feel like I'm starting to feel very grounded in my community and in my, I guess, becoming very familiar in my space here so I feel like I've learned how to take up space how to use my space um and but at the end of the day I'm absolutely loving it like Mm. it's everything and more I'm this is what I have wanted to do for so long yeah and for people that don't know what NYU is it's a performing arts school and obviously it has a whole bunch of other sectors to it but you're specifically doing um like theatre or drama at NYU so that's been like your dream for a long time yeah so it's the Tisch School of the Arts um (laughs) so um yeah so it's the Tisch School of the Arts specifically uh BFA in drama and I'm in one of the studios that focuses on singing dancing and acting so I feel like I get the most what the best of all three of those worlds Mm -hmm. And that's really good because, you know, I'm going to a performing arts school myself, but I'm mm-hmm. mainly focusing on theatre. Um, in theatre, I'm not really getting the aspects of dance and singing. It's more like script writing and stuff like that. But it is not about me. And just as a little reminder as to what this podcast specifically will be about, um, I really wanted to focus in with Ben specifically about how he's moved at a young age, his thoughts and feelings around that, and then also that moment where you're taken seriously, the moments where you're, you actually feel like you've grown up. So 
you went to an all-boys school, a school that shall not be named, but most people will know what this school is. Um, what I feel was... like if you're listening to the podcast, you definitely know what school it is, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. We can, we can stay ambiguous, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so you went to an all-boys school. What was that like for you? What was your journey with that? I definitely feel like I haven't realised how different being at an all-boys school is compared to going to a co-ed school in America or even in Australia until I got to the United States and I I arrived here. Uh, My high school experience, at least compared to the other kids describing theirs, has been very, very different in the sense that, um, you know, I feel like just being in a school where it's only guys, uh, you know, like we don't have that co-education kind of um, experience. I definitely love having um, my, the ladies in the classroom with me now. Um, but, you know, at, at, at the time it was just what I knew. Like I didn't really know any differently. I still had an amazing time. Um, I don't know if this is anything to do with it being a single sex school, but the faculty and the opportunities and the institution itself was so amazing. I could not fault them. Um, I had the best time in terms of teachers, you know, the opportunities I was able to do, the, the, the positions I was able to um, step into in terms of like clubs and, you know, um, mm-hmm. uh, captaincies and whatnot. So I just had the best time there and I feel like they really built me up for coming here because, you know, I, I worked as hard as I could and I feel like I had the support behind me to yeah. get here. Yeah. You said that you had, that the school was great for having opportunities and being boosted and being supported, which is obviously something that a lot of public schools wouldn't have. So it's completely, you know, you're very fortunate to have had that experience. But also you did say that you were, being at that school, you were used to work kind of degree or level that you just expected from being in an all-boys school. So other than, like, like support and the positions you got in, what was it like socially and how do you feel like your high school journey was socially as, like, a gay young man? Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like I noticed such a big maturing in terms of the year level and the cohort as a whole, uh, that was quite drastic when I think the shift for me was from year 10 to 11. I noticed a really big uh, yeah, ma- maturity check from the rest of the cohort and uh, I don't really know where that – actually, no. I think there are a few examples of where that came from, you know, things like us getting older – us having older siblings who have had various experiences and we were learning through them, um, seeing uh, our, like, older members of the school body, you know, like, um, in, when we were in year 9 and 10, like, older kids getting up and making really brave speeches and talking about things such as um, being a part of the LGBT community or, you know, uh, being part of the Indigenous community and being a First Nations person of Australia or talking about mental health struggles. I feel like that really opened up the floor for all of us, whatever our sexuality, whatever our identity, to 
start to really accept um, the cohort and all the individuals that uh, were part of our cohort um, as just like a, a united vessel. And I feel like when that happened in year 11, it became less about, oh, that he's been, he's that one kid who happens to be gay, but more of he is part of a broader community now. And I feel like when we, obviously COVID had interrupted that a little bit in year 12, we didn't yeah. really have a very coherent year altogether, like interacting with each other in person. But I definitely felt um, a shift in maturity. I mean, like obviously there are certain instances where like, there were still like issues and stuff with like certain people in the year level, but I feel like as a whole, everyone grew up, and that was like I guess that's what happens. Um, but mm. that was really interesting to see because you know going to an all boys school, there's always going to be toxic masculinity. You know, do I you, think in in regards to toxic masculinity, do you have any personal experiences, like any stories? Obviously. <laughs> Don't name the names, but do you have any personal experiences where you felt like I'm completely just being like shunned a little bit? Yes, uh, I definitely feel like you know what. Also, what I want to start with is I feel like there are some people who unconsciously it's just what they've grown up with, and you know you can't really you can't be you can't really like fault them for that almost or you can't expect a, a massive change in them until you've really had a, a respectful conversation because at the end of the day you know like you're changing you're changing someone's whole perception of how society constructs function um and especially if that's just what they've grown up what they've grown up with then um it's it's less about preaching at them and more having a conversation with them. I definitely feel like I needed to learn the fine line between those two at high school, but, you know, I was younger too and I also had some immaturity, so that's whatever that is. But I definitely feel like there were a few people at high school that um, I just found that there, there was a level of, like, um, discomfort that surrounded them and who they were and I feel like that was projected a little bit onto me mm. I also you know as 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 uh funny as it sounds I feel like the people that were most on my in my corner and on my side yeah um were the people that I necessarily didn't become friends with or wasn't extremely close with until later on in high school you know at the end of, towards the end of exams but that's something that you actually if you don't mind me saying well it's fucking being said now <laughs> you actually struggled with finding people at your school who were in your corner um and that's not a bad thing that's just the way it happened and you know I definitely had that as well moving to a school after year 10 going to a new school just for two years I I personally felt like who the fuck is in my corner who's who's who are my friends and I was severely lonely um yeah and that's just how that's then but I completely agree with you that when you get older and you mature people come back and you end up finding the people that are going to be there for you but yeah you 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 had those experiences where you actually didn't have those people in your court. Can you speak of like a personal experience? Yeah, well, I mean, I had, I was friends with a certain group of people um, for the majority of high school. And when I say high school, I mean like, like after year seven and eight, 
up until like I'd say around the end of year 11, start of year 12. Um, and I feel like quite a lot of that friendship stemmed from me as a queer person in an all boys school, not necessarily believing that there were other people that I could also go to if I, I, I kind of had this felt like, you know, I found this one group of people, um, I'm, I'm stuck with them. It's not like there'd be any other groups of guys that'd be willing to, uh, really be nice to me and be close friends with me. Mm. And as I got older, I realized, uh, that, that, perception just wasn't true and um some of my best friends now and they they're listening they know who they are i became friends with them like towards the end of year 12 when we were doing exams um just because i realized uh in my previous friendships you know that there'd be a lot of subtle things that were projected onto me that were a product of things that were happening in their life that had nothing to do with me Mm. um yeah, I mean, what I will say is there were with with a topic that is so complicated as sexuality, and especially in an all boys school in like Melbourne, Victoria, there's going to be so many things that a lot of guys are struggling with. Like, if you're on the football team, like if you do sports, if you're seen as athletic, that's obviously going to add another layer. And I definitely feel like people that I was really good friends with that um, they had a lot of stuff that they needed to figure out and it wasn't necessarily to do with me, but because I was just, you know, living my best life. Um, I was being, I felt like at the time I was quite open about my sexuality. Um, I don't know if that intimidated them. I don't know if they were trying to figure out what that meant for them um, relative to me, because obviously they're a very, um, there are very different ways of expressing your queerness and whatnot. Yeah. So I, I just think that it was just them, like, you know, not being very nice or just, like, trying to weaponize my sexuality against me within the group was just a product of their own insecurities. Yeah, and that's made you who you are today. Okay, exactly. so we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back. We are back. Um, I want to get back on track with the conversation and I want to focus in on performing art schools because there is something widely not spoken about and for anyone who's listening now and is like what the fuck like it's probably it's fine like you're just going into a studio and you're living your best life. It's it's all of that and above. But also, it is so competitive and it is so weird. Like, you have to adjust. Like, it, it's, it's weird. It's like you're in this constant state of competition and you're always wanting to better yourself, which can be kind of mentally straining. Um, so, what like, what has that been like for you, someone who's just kind of gotten into that? Like being at that performing arts school, you've definitely got your stereotypes of people. Like, yeah, uh, oof, there is a lot of it. Um, you know, you would always tell me about this stuff uh, at your drama school, mm. and it's it's not until I've gotten here that I've realised that it's all true. Yeah, you have people on 
all ends of the spectrum. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there are people that I really get along with who see theatre as a passion they love, but they also do other stuff outside yeah. of theatre. Like that's not their whole world. It's not their whole personality. Um, on the contrast, on the flip side, there are people who whose whole personality is uh, Broadway and that's about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I Like I, I wish them well, like, you know, like, good for them that's just not necessarily how I view theater at, like I think it's kind of like a narrow-minded way of viewing theater and um performance as a mm. whole you know we need to be expanding our viewpoint of that yeah. so much and if you just focus on getting onto Broadway then I'm sorry but like you're not really like you're not really expanding yourself and stretching but, yourself as an like, artist. Also, like you got to understand that some people that if they do take that mindset where that is their entire passion, I'm sure there's so many success stories of people making it, and that's been their only passion. But I'm like I'm with you. Like I'm definitely a strong believer in the way that you have to make sure you've got something else that you're keeping yourself motivated with because going into a studio every day, pretending to be a fucking animal, like <laughs> for like hours is, is pretty, pretty straining. And sometimes you gotta, you gotta dedicate your time to something else because there's also like, you will have people in your class. I know for myself that especially going to um, the school that I go to now, I've had experiences with people who've come up to me and, like, and said nasty things. I think I've yeah. struggled with, like, you don't want to be the bossy bitch in a school. You don't want to be that person. But sometimes you have to because it's quite shocking going to some schools and people not reciprocating that passion. And you're like, if you don't have enough balance and you're just compensating one thing for the other, like, why are you here? There are people that could have taken your spot. I feel like I'm ranting, and I am. But... I, there's, there's such a way of art schools that it's, you really have to make sure you know yourself before you go to one because you will get fucking broken down. You will not receive a compliment from one teacher in years. And if you do, like your ego will boost to 1000 and that is, that is scary. Like you don't want a compliment. I don't know if you feel that way, but just in terms of the compliment side and the ego, have you experienced that with anyone at your school? I definitely feel, actually, not really. I honestly think, I honestly think that it's the opposite. I think that everyone is very dedicated here, and everyone, everyone has come in with the lowest hopes. You know what I mean? Mm. They, they, they're not expecting. they everyone has come in expecting to be the worst in the class. Basically, I mean, like oh, when good. I came in, that was what I was expecting. Yeah. I was expecting to be, you know. Having, having to learn from everyone else around me. Um, and I feel like that's fostered a really good environment. It is so hard, as you said, to um, actively train your brain to not compare yourself to anyone else. Yeah. Um, but everyone is so dedicated and we, we give each other compliments because, you know, we the, prof- the professors, they're not here to give you compliments. They're here yeah. to do the work with you. They're yeah. here to make sure that you extend yourself and better yourself. So, um, look, I, I, I definitely don't think that anyone's come in being really uh, cocky or anything like that. Um, I, I think a lot of people here, if that was the case, they're very good at hiding it. Mm. Um, I mean, like, we're all actors. <laughs> yeah. But... Um, 
yeah, I, I, everyone's really dedicated. And if anything, it's it, we're all trying to learn from each other. It's actually a really healthy environment. Oh, I would good. just say that there are there are different there are different um, intensities of some people in terms of you know what they what what who they are as a person and how that translates into mm. their passion for theatre because. Um, you can definitely love theatre and you don't have to be like a <laughs> like yeah. on 150% of your energy level like all the time. Yeah. And like being, especially when you're expected to perform or like be in a certain mood every day and do things that are completely out of your comfort zone, 27 like it is it's tiring yeah it's so tiring it's it's really tiring and it has definitely a toll mentally on you as well um universally you i i know there's some days where i'm like the last fucking thing i want to do is roll around on the ground for six hours but sometimes like you find i don't know your best work in the times of like strife and doubt and anger moving along from schools i have some quick questions for you about america yes go for it what is it like being in a different city especially like in terms of covid what's that been like um everyone is very covid conscious here i feel like in melbourne we're all a little bit sick of it yeah like we're all a bit of like just get me out of my home, like just let yeah. just let me go clubbing, um, which is another thing. Uh, obviously, the drinking age is twenty one here, so that's a whole. I, I'm being thrown back into that world again to navigate. So that. Um, so are you like? Not, are you guys like trying to like smuggle drinks and like find where to get drinks? Smuggle from? drinks, try to smuggle drinks. You know, finding the random like corner stores that sell alcohol and don't really check your ID because it's like. Some old dude at the cashier who's been doing it for years and doesn't really care anymore. You gotta find those little places. We're trying to get fake IDs as well. Like it's, oh my God. it's a whole rig it's a whole rigmarole. Um That actually <laughs> sucks. Because if there was anything last year that was keeping me alive, it was the fact that I'm gonna turn eighteen, gonna be it's gonna be easy to get drinks, I'm gonna go to schoolies and I'm just gonna have the time of my life. Not worry, not have to compensate like or lie about getting a drink. Like that must be exhausting, kind of going back into that routine. Yeah, I, I feel like a seventeen year old again in year eleven when I was like, "Oh, we're gonna drink on a night out on the weekend. Oh, this is so special." <laughs> it's like mm. it's back to this mentality of because it's illegal and because it's like the thing to try not and try not to get caught from. Yeah. You you want to do it even more. You want to break the rules. You you want to you want to have the thrill of getting away with it. Would you like consider that as like thrill seeking at the moment? Not my thrill seeking. I mean, I have never been like the biggest drinker. No. Um, based you... on past experiences, I prefer not to drink because I like to stay in control. Yeah. But it's it's fun to do on a weekend. But then also too, like as you know. When you go to a drama school, like you've got studio on Monday, like yeah. you can't you can't be too hungover. Otherwise, you are literally going to die right there on that on that wooden floor when yeah. you're doing like stretches or like in a freaking squat for like an hour. That is literally what I said last um, week or so with Ben Stucky. He was like, "Yeah, yeah, 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 it'll be fine." Um, and I was like, "I, you can't, you can't drink because you you're like 
Well, I guess you could. I guess you'd sober up quickly in the morning, but like, it's just not worth it. Yeah, and you know what sucks? I mean, like, it's not the be all and end all because obviously I love studio, mm-hmm. but our schedules, as you know, too, like, compared to the kids who are at your uni but just do like a Bachelor of Arts or something, yeah. our schedules are so much more intense than theirs. Um, one of my friends, her schedule is like she takes five classes and then she has like a four day weekend because she scheduled she scheduled her classes and she doesn't have any on Thursday and Friday. So that is crazy. Like imagine imagine being able to go out on a night that is not Friday or Saturday. I can't. So I'll do it. <laughs> so do you think like have there been any other culture shocks that you've experienced from going to another? country the yeah the one thing i do want to talk about which kind of leads back to our whole conversation on going to an all boys school Mm. is how conscious everyone is of respecting each other's identity you know obviously um the times are changing and we're a lot more conscious when it comes to gender identity and race and things like that yeah you know I, I actually quite appreciate how whenever you walk into a room, you everyone introduces themselves and their pronouns. And I know that's probably like starting a bit of a like, ooh, pronouns kind of thing. Because I feel like in Australia, especially in Melbourne, I mean in high school, like pronouns, we never really talked about pronouns. Yeah. That wasn't a thing that was on everyone's radar. Yeah. That was probably seen as like quote unquote gay talk about pronouns um but it's it's so which is like in in a way that's like that's kind of upsetting because tying into what we spoke about last week it just it just has nothing to do with you and if someone else identifies as whatever they want to identify as like just like forget about it forget about it it has nothing to do with you like and if that's if that's what makes them feel comfortable and the most like themselves like leave it to them yeah i remember um at uh, a little gathering in year 11 mm. one of my friends kissed someone who uses they them pronouns and that was that was like that was such an uproar within our friendship group there like for what for what mm. why was that weird for them i think well i mean at least from my experience that was the first uh, gender non-conforming person i'd ever met in my life yeah um i was obviously a lot more like, I, I knew about that because I was had done a lot of research into the LGBT community and I just knew, like, all the different facets and people who are part of my community. But, you know, for a bunch of, like, heterosexual guys going to an all-boys school, you know, where, like, the most, the most that they would have had to deal in terms of, deal with in terms of, like, straying from the norm of, like, gender identity would be someone coming out as gay. Like, that would be very that would be very new to them. I'm not cutting them slack mm. because of that, but I'm just saying it's like it'd be very new to them. So I think that's why they would be so, I guess, curious about how that in, like how that person would function as a human in day-to-day life. Yeah. Which would Yeah. But and that and the answer to that is just live, just not. And yeah, the answer to that is just they function and however they do that is none of your goddamn business. Okay, so, um, we are going to go on to the polls. I asked my, um, 
I've asked questions. Let me start again. I've asked questions. And I want you, I'm going to say the percentages of them, their polls, and I want you to give me um, your opinion on them. Basically, chat shit. Um, okay, so the first one is, should you move out, uh, out after the age of 21? I answered no for this. And let me tell you why. Tell obviously, me why. Okay, so obviously it's seen as, it's seen as a form of, I don't know, uh, financial stability or just like stability as a person functioning um, outside of university and high school to move out and have your own place. I completely get that. I feel like that that uh, mentality that we know has been tossed in the bin and reevaluated since the pandemic. For a lot of people, it's actually easier. I mean, I just met someone the other day who has moved back in with their parents because it's actually closer to the city for them in mm. New York. And it makes more sense because they weren't able to see the majority of their family for all of quarantine last year. So, yeah. you know, with with rent and stuff being so high and it's easier to work from home now, like I don't understand what's so bad about yeah. uh, not moving out. You know, it, at the end of the day, like like you move out when you're ready to and you can still be like financially stable and independent and you can still be living with your parents. Like I completely respect that. It's, it's really interesting because I feel like I've got like, I have two sides to this. I'm just looking at the votes now and it's, it's, it is pretty even apparently. Okay. So it says 55% of people said no, they shouldn't move out after the age of 21. So that was you. And then, 45% 45% of people said yes, they should. And I'm looking at the, t- the people, <laughs> hey guys, um, who who said yes. Personally, I'm, like, I want to yeah. live my life and I want to have that independence and hopefully by the age of 21, I'll be moving in, living in a different country. So, I'm definitely... Do you feel like, do you feel like, however, because as you are talking about last episode, you have two spaces because mm. your parents don't live together anymore. Yeah. Do you feel like, do you feel like there's less of a need to move out because you have two different spaces and it's yeah, not like you're I, stuck in the one place? I com- completely. Um, yes, 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 yes. There's some days where I'm like one day I've got a couple mates that would want to do a share house and the thought of doing a share house, I'm like, oh, that'd be so much fun. But then if I think about mm. the intricacies of it and I'm going, I'm going to have to, okay, looking at rent alone, if I'm getting like a two-bedroom apartment, apartment, one bathroom, um, with one of my mates from uni, let's say, hey Louisa, that's gonna be rent alone for me might be like two hundred dollars. Okay, that's two hundred dollars a week, then plus utilities and like that. That's not. I wish I was at a college in that way because like that would make living outside of home much easier. I do go well. I should just stay at like one house more than the other, and just settle down there and live my own independent life and not worry about what my parents are doing. I definitely have those moments where I go back and forth. Um, and it's annoying because I also do, I'm, you know, starting to get more independent now and have, you know, your own Medicare card, be in charge of that, all of that shit. Um, so yes, it's, it's 50, 50. And I honestly don't know what I do now. Like right now I'm fine, but I'm definitely 50, 50 at the moment. So yeah, it's it's interesting. On to the next question. Are you good at saving money? Yes. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yup. Yes. No, okay. 
I have been a freak with money. Mm. I hate, I hate, I hate being, I, I hate spending money. I hate being given money. Actually, like, I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Going to NYU, like, it's a pretty penny with the currency exchange, if you yeah. know what I mean. Yeah. Um, I want, you know, I worked for the past nine months because I started in September, so I had a gap from, like, December to um, September from 2020 to 2021. So yeah. I felt like I was obligated to start making my own money and not rely on mummy and daddy as much. Um, at the end of the day, like they're, they're doing so much to send me to this school, yeah. uh, which is what I've wanted since I can't remember how old I was, um, but for a long time. Mm. And so I want to make sure that stuff like if I need to pay for new clothes or if I need to pay for like books for class, yeah. if I need to pay for stuff for my dorm or getting my phone fixed or like health stuff, you know, like I should, I want to, have the burden of paying for that myself because I don't want to feel like I'm, I'm just at the age of 19, like on the other side of the world, still making mum and dad pay for everything I do. Like, I think I, I, I would, I can sleep well at night knowing that I've taken on that responsibility and I don't have to keep um, making my parents do that for me. Yeah. That's, I, and I hope like, by the age that we are at now and some of the listeners who might be a little bit older or younger, um, that we're getting into the point of, yeah, you're getting good at saving money. But I used to be so bad at saving money. It was like oh, as soon sorry. as soon as I earned money for my first job, it was like money was there to spend. Money was not there to save. It was like this is – I can now buy a new top for the weekend. It is – yeah, it was really interesting because I – I, I didn't care. I was like, oh, I'll just spend this money. It's just money. It doesn't matter. But now getting yeah. older, the older you get, I've gotten better at it because I want to move overseas and that's a dream. So I feel like when you have something in your mind that you're like, you're really determined to like live maybe a better life for the future or something, or you want to take those responsibilities on really personally, you d- you're naturally good at it. But especially with at the moment with the COVID-19 payments, I was just thinking about this. I've gotten better at saving that because I'm like, this is like quite literally, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity that the government is going to so willingly give out money to young adults just because they're not working and because we're not doing like... Exactly. It's... And I think I've taken it more seriously. Definitely. I bought a bunch of shit with my money at the start with. I bought a new freaking phone for crying out loud. Like, Yeah. Oh, my God. When I was when I was in year eight, I um, did, like, an ad for TV for, like, I think it was for GMHBA, like, a, like mm-hmm. a health insurance place. I spent all of the money that I got from that, which is probably, like, it was probably, like, $2,000. I spent all of that money over like the next year and a half at the school cafeteria um, and buying sweets from 7-Eleven. Food seems like, it's so bad, but like food seems like the worst shit to spend money on, but it's probably the thing that I spend the most money on. Like I will get up every morning and be like, I'm going to go get a $5 coffee because that's, that's, that's going to make me feel so much better. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that there are two things you shouldn't you shouldn't sacrifice money for. Mm. Obviously, context dependent, but um, 
Yeah. I try and make sure that I don't sacrifice my health, like things I need to spend money on health-wise and things I need to spend money on food-wise because at the end of the day, like those are necessities that I need to yeah. live healthy as a human. And yeah. if that means budgeting for things that I like, want to buy in terms of things that I need to buy, yeah. then so be it. Yeah. Then so be sure. it. Like, you know, there are lots of other things I can get happiness from. It's also a really good lesson in appreciating what you have. Yeah. Well, we have the votes in and apparently it says 51% of people said that they're good at saving money and 49% of people said that they're not. So it's pretty 50-50. Um, yeah. And I, obviously I've seen the people who have answered yes at being um, good at saving money and most of the people that have said yes are people who have moved out is what I'm noticing. Um, people who are at college, so people have moved out or people have like legitimate jobs and are like grinding it out yeah okay next question next question is have you ever been in a relationship this was a stupid question i don't know why i put this in a poll but i just was like yolo 81 percent of people said yes they have been in a relationship and 19 yeah. percent of people said that they have not you haven't been in a relationship or like a like a jokes you have <laughs> Can you, I, I, okay, let me, let me, let, let's just backtrack a little bit. Okay, um, sorry, I'll So, I don't know if I would call it a relationship. I don't know what I would call it, to be honest. It were, it, it happened. Um, mm. I have learned from it. I have had a lot of very valuable experiences from it. Yep. But basically, I mean, there, there, there's no, like, there was no, like, other um, portion of the question there but um yes I have I definitely feel like if anything I I'm just gonna learn from all the mistakes that I made in it um if, if, if there's anything I'd say to people listening right now who haven't had a relationship yet yeah it's just to take all the flaws from it and you and because you know it's your first relationship I highly doubt that they're going to be the one that you end up with in the future like I highly doubt that you'll know them in 10 years anyway so you know it's just just take all the flaws just appreciate how perfectly imperfect the whole relationship was roll with that and um yeah just just make sure you don't look back on it in a bitter way. Yeah, Something sure. I, I was so bitter about my past relationship, like to the point where I, the the person... They were, the they people, were really unfortunate circumstances that you were under because like there's the whole thing of, you know, sexuality coming into play and, and, and yeah, identity. That, and was like, a, that was another factor. Um, I, I had so much... Um, like anger internally that had built up and I that was just a result of me just being angry at everything yeah but but you know what like there's no there's there's no bad blood like there's no hard no. feelings but um, we should also like, we should also normalize also not being in a relationship at our age because they're being hard so whatever reason that you're not in a relationship or haven't been in a relationship so like at this age, whatever we should normalize. Also, not having been in one and not having had that um, sophisticated or like that labeled experience yet. Oh, one hundred percent. I mean, like I still haven't been in a proper open relationship where yeah. other people have actively known about it at yes. the time that it was going on. 
Um, you know, I haven't, I, I haven't been in a relationship since the, like, I, I want to say over like a year and a half now. So I definitely am feeling the single life. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping that I meet someone here. But, you know, but what you've told me, which is the best piece of advice when it comes to this topic, is that you don't go into you don't go into it looking for a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Yeah. You, you, you know, it happens when you least expect it. Yeah, so completely. the second you start forcing it, it's not meant to be. For sure. Um, and Please, I think when I found Everything happens for a reason. Exactly. Shut up. Oh, that was so out of key, Shut but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the next one. Um, <laughs> the next question was, do you think you have to be, go, do you think you have to go to university to be successful? 4% of people said yes and nine, 96% of people said no. I, like, realistically, no, you don't. Like, you don't have to go to university and there are so many, again, success stories to have that. But it it just looks good on your CV. Yeah, I mean, to the 4%, like, I want to have a bit of a word with you, but... Um, no, the, was... the people who voted yes are, like, like some of my bestest friends. So they're like, wait, did you say no or yes? I said no. You don't need to go to. I mean, yeah. Look at look at one of the richest people in the world right now, Richard Branson. He he dropped he dropped out of high school. Mm. He is dyslexic, and yeah. he still just went to space the other month. Like, yeah, for sure. I agree. I agree. I agree. Um, like when you think about people starting businesses or being restaurant owners, like that shit is what you learn, I don't know, through experience and through support networks and stuff like that and meeting the right people, not because you, like especially being at uni now, I think most of the people, especially in first year, would look at uni first year and be like, what the flying fuck have I taken away from this year? Yeah, exactly. One of my, one of my um, new friends from New York who it turns out like we've been connected through family friends for quite a while. Um, so actually they're not a new friend that I have known them for a while, but we've only recently reconnected. Yeah. She, when she was at university, like she, she, um, I feel like a really big moment of her getting into the photography industry was the fact that she used to be, um, an intern who got copies for like Naomi Campbell and Madonna and, Mm. It's little things like that that really, I guess, propel Just make your think. career. Yeah, and, and you know, it, like, like no university degree can give you that. Obviously, they can open the doors to things, and university is amazing. Like the training is always going to be, you know, depending on where you go, top notch. And if it's something you're passionate about, then of course you should go. Like yeah. it's not as if like it's not as if like university is pointless because obviously it is there. There, there is a, a lot of reasons to go to university. I mean. That's what yeah. I'm doing, but um, if that's not someone's path and that's not how they that's not how they best get what they need to get out of their learning experiences, then that's the, that's 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 good for them. Like, yeah. well, there's yeah, another path. It is, it is for sure. It's it's, it's interesting. I'm looking at the polls, and again, um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, moving along. Um, the next question is, do you know what you want to do for a living? Um, 49% of people said yes, 51% said no, again, 50-50. But I'd just like to say, most of the people that did say yes, 
are people who are from my acting course. So I guess it's like, it's interesting. It's like, it's your passion that you're, that you know, and you're not afraid of like the stability of maybe your passion not being stable. So yeah. What did you, what do you, what do you think about this? I can't remember what I said. However, um, you know, it's funny because I knew what I wanted to do hands down since the moment I walked into mm. the, the gates of my high school and day one of year seven. But as time goes by and as you develop and grow as a person, especially since being at NYU, I've realized there are so many facets to theater and the arts and, you know, I love writing as well. So that's another thing that I want to do. I, I worked at a digital marketing agency for the past um, yeah. few months before I left to go to America. So I'm also, I've also been loving, um, learning about like copywriting and, um, uh, content creating on that sort of, uh, front as well. So there are so many directions that my career, that like I'd want my career to go in. Um, mum always says to me that she believes that this generation is going to have around seven careers in their lifetime. So, um, you know, if you don't know what you want to do yet, like, I mean, like, I don't know. I want to, I know I want to be a performer and an actor and whatnot, but I don't know what that specifically entails. Yeah. And that is okay. Yeah. You don't need to know. Things will, you know, you'll figure it out as you go along this journey that is life. Quote, unquote, Ben Benito, <laughs> was... 2021. Um, okay, Mother Goose. <laughs> um, last question, and then we'll be ending the podcast after this is are you a jealous person? Again, with the 50-50 votes, um, 49% of people said yes, they are a jealous person. 51% no. Honestly, I definitely can get super jealous. Like, I'm not I'm not a bad person for admitting that, but, like... Oh, 100%. There is... How, how can you not be, like, in... I mean, obviously, the situation needs to be a good situation, but a bit of jealousy also is, like... It, it's like a little bit of fire under your belly, I think. Like, it's it keeps you going. It keeps you maybe wanting to strive a bit more for things. Yeah. Um, I feel like there are definitely healthy and unhealthy forms of where jealousy can manifest. Absolutely. You know, I, there's, especially in high school. Like, I was a quite a scrawny little kid. I was all skin and bones. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were, there were unhealthy forms of jealousy where I'd look at other kids and be like, I wish uh, my body like looked like yours because right. you are like basically a lot bigger than I am, and that like seems more appealing to me. Like I want to be stronger. I want to look bigger. Um, like as a boy to fit into this kind of like masculine culture, and that was an unhealthy form of jealousy. But you know, if I see that uh, a friend has gone and done this amazing thing um like to do with performing you know if you if you if you booked a film or some sort of gig i would be jealous like of course but i would be happy for you but yeah that would drive me like it wouldn't be unhealthy that's like good jealousy. jealousy so basically yeah. there's good jealous and there's bad jealousy. exactly mm. okay well Thank you for sitting down for around 50 minutes, nearly an hour, and listening to Ben and I speak. I hope that you guys enjoyed. Again, if you have any comments or wanted to share or review the podcast, send me a DM, share, or review when it comes out, 
and I hope you guys enjoyed. Do you have anything to say? Um, just, yeah, thank you for listening. If you've gotten through to this point in the podcast, that means you actually can slightly tolerate listening to my annoying-ass voice. Um, don't know how that's possible, but um, thank you for listening to us coffee slides talk shit. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I'll see you next week, hopefully Saturday or Friday. Love you guys. Bye.